We will be in Luke uh, chapter 18 this afternoon. Luke chapter 18, uh, verses 9 through 14. Looking at the, uh, the, the parable that Jesus gives on the publican and the Pharisee. Uh, but before we jump into uh, that lesson, you know, uh, if you uh, like watching, uh, you know, westerns or, uh, you know, the old uh, you know, cowboy shows, you know, I know some of you do, you know, there's, uh, you know, usually a, a pretty, di- uh, pretty good distinction between, you know, who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. You know, the good guy usually always wore the white cowboy hat, right? And the bad guy used to wear the black cowboy hat. And so you could always pick out when you're watching, you know, who's the good guy and the bad guy that's uh, going on in, in, in that Western, in that uh, TV show. But today, you know, the lines really have been blurred a lot more. Um, uh, you watch TV shows or something, you know, the guy who you think's supposed to be the good guy, you know, he turns out to be the bad guy. Or the guy who you think's the bad guy, he turns out be, to be the good guy. Or, you know, I don't know if you've heard of this term before, but the anti-hero, you know, though he's become a lot popular uh, today. Uh, a person, you know, he's not necessarily meant to be a hero. Uh, he doesn't do things in conventional ways or uh, maybe in righteous ways, but he's sort of glorified now as, uh, you know, being uh, a hero. And again, uh, those lines have been blurred quite a bit, but, you know, we like to know who the good guy is in the story and who the bad guy is. Uh, we can do this as well in Scripture. Sometimes, you know, we label uh, one individual the good guy and one the bad guy. Uh, but when we really do that, you know, we sort of strip them of their, uh, their human qualities. Uh, you know, we only see the, the white hat and the black hat. And probably the parable, or at least the account that's most um, done that way, is this parable of the, again, the Pharisee and the publican, or tax collector. Uh, from our vantage point, it seems easy to identify who the good guy and bad guy is. And we'll read it here together in a, in a moment, but the irony is, is during the first century, you know, the roles are completely opposite. You know, the good guy is who we think is the bad guy, and the bad guy is who we think is the good guy. And so it probably came as quite a shock to the listener when Jesus gave this parable as to who he says, you know, went home justified. So let's read Luke 18 uh, verses 9 through 14 together. We'll talk about some of the verses and then we'll uh, conclude with some application for our lives. So uh, Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 9, says, And he also said this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. And again, let's, let's go through this verse uh, little by little, and let's make, again, at the end, we'll make some application to our own lives. But again, 
Jesus tells us who the central audience is that he's talking to again in verse nine. And he told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with uh, contempt. Um, You know, Jesus knows uh, who he's talking about here. Uh, And this this parable follows another parable that was on prayer. But this parable is not necessarily about prayer, but it's about being justified before God. It's about uh, a salvation before God. And Jesus can read hearts. He knows who his audience is. Uh, These are individuals who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. You know, they put their hope and their trust and faith not in God, but themselves. And it also says that they viewed others with contempt. They, they uh, rejected with contempt others. They looked down upon others. And this word's going to be used later in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 23, verse 11, talking about how Herod's soldiers are described as looking down at Christ. Remember, they took Christ and they, they beat him and they dressed him up in that robe and put a crown of thorns on his head. They gave him this reed to sort of signify that he was a king. And they mocked him and they were looking down at him. That's the same word used here about these individuals who Jesus is talking to. Again, look at verse 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. You know, here's our two individuals. Here's our two stereotypes, right? The the white cowboy hat and the black cowboy hat. Uh, The Pharisees, of course, at this time were admired people uh, by, you know, the common folk of the day for their their piety and their their devotion to the law of Moses. You know, Uh, people looked up to the Pharisees. They respected the Pharisees. Uh, These were the types of people that you wanted to run for office. Uh, These were the type of uh, men that you wanted your daughter to bring home uh, uh, dating, you know, from college. They were well respected. But but the tax collector in that society, the publican, was the polar opposite of the Pharisee. They were despised. They they often embezzled uh, while working for the Roman government. They were traitors to the nation. Uh, The Jewish nation considered them unclean. And defiled whatever they touched. See, we got two individuals here. One who is admired and one who is despised. And again, to the original listener, the Pharisee in this account is the good guy. And the, the, the tax collector is the bad. But today, when we read this story, you know, the roles are reversed. We've, we've come to despise the Pharisee, right? He's the prototypical a hypocrite. You know, when we, talk, uh, when we talk in Bible classes and such about hypocrisy, you know, the Pharisee always is brought up. You know, some people might say to you, uh, you know, don't be, a, don't be a Pharisee. You might hear people say that all the time. And what they're saying is, you know, don't be a hypocrite. Well, that's the Pharisee. Uh, but Christ, we see in Scripture, he's frequently reaching out to the tax collectors. You know, Matthew uh, he calls to be an apostle, Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. You know, he goes and stays in their home. He eats with them. Uh, you know, those uh, are the ones that when we read this account, we're labeling them as the good guys. But what really what you and I may fail to see when we uh, is that, you know, we're typically uh, lean more towards uh, the Pharisee in characteristics and than the tax collector. And I'll explain about that a little bit uh, later. Uh, Verses 11 and 12, again, the Pharisee stood and was praying to himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. 
You know, the Pharisee is standing here and he's giving a prayer, you know, about himself. Uh, he was seeking the accolades and praises of God for his goodness. You know, where does he stand? We're not told where he stands, but we could probably guess that he's probably as close to the temple as possible. You know, unlike the tax collector, we're told who stood far off. You know, and how did he stand? You know, how did he pray? Again, we're not told, but, you know, most likely he stood there with his, you know, hands raised or his eyes raised up towards heaven. Uh, in contrast to the tax collector who looked down, who couldn't bear looking up. In this short prayer, the, 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 the tax collector used the pronoun I five times in this short prayer. I'm not like other men, he said. I'm not like the thief or the unrighteous. I'm not committing sexual sins. I, I'm especially not like this tax collector. You know, in effect, he's saying, I'm better than him. I'm better than that guy. And then he says, look how well and beyond I keep the law. You know, I fast twice a week. For, for the Jewish nation... You know, they were only required to fast one day a year, and that was the Day of Atonement, the day that the high priest went into the temple to a sacrifice for all the people. That was the only day that they were required to fast. But the Pharisees said, look how, look how religious I am. Look how good I am. I fast twice a week. And then he says, I go beyond the commandment to tithe. I give more than I need to. But then verse 13 contrasts with the tax collector. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Again, here's the contrast between these two probably simultaneous prayers that are going on. The, the Pharisee, again, stands near to the temple, he, while the tax collector stands far off, maybe in the outer courts of the temple. The Pharisee, eyes lifted up, the tax collector can't bear to lift his eyes up towards heaven. He was so grieved by his life, by his sins, that he would dare not uh, lift his face towards heaven, but he kept it down, bowed into humility. Again, he beat his breast. This was a sign of anguish and remorse. And he offers God no list of virtues like the, the Pharisee, nor excuses. And he didn't list any great works. And his prayer is short in length, but it is powerful in depth. God, be merciful to me, the sinner. He, this is a man who longed for forgiveness. That word merciful it can be also translated uh, propitious. Uh, propitious. Uh, I need uh, something to uh, cover my sins. A propitiation. Uh, again, he identifies himself as a sinner. And he, you know, he doesn't compare himself to other people. Again, like, like the Pharisee did. And here's Jesus' conclusion one more time in verse 14. I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Again, that conclusion that the people listening are hearing, that would have shocked everyone hearing. You know, the tax collector was the one who went home justified before God. You know, he was the one who went home saved. He was the one whose prayer was heard and accepted. Despite his sinful past, uh, because of his changed heart that we, we notice in this, uh, this prayer, and the Pharisee and all of his outward righteousness, he was the one rejected by God. His prayer was disqualified because of his pride and contempt. And again, Jesus uh, concludes that everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, 
but he who humbles himself will be exalted. And, you know, really, we understand the point of this lesson. The servant of God must be humble, Jesus says. And he warns us of the dangers of certain failures of pride. Well, again, let's ask ourselves a few questions this evening about this parable. You know, again, the original listener must have been shocked, right? Shocked when he uh, saw this reversal of roles. You know, I thought he would be the good guy, not him. Again, the tax collectors justified, the Pharisees rejected. This makes no sense. And again, we see this in the opposite manner today. Uh, that makes sense, you know, the, 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 that the Pharisee is the bad guy. But, you know, when we bring these biases in the text, we often miss the importance of these stories in our own lives. And, you know, again, we are far more like the Pharisee outwardly, you know, today. You know, we, uh, it's, we probably all would uh, think of ourselves as being, you know, respected in our communities. You know, the, you know we go to church, we have our jobs, we, we give of our means, we do good things. You know, we're not out robbing banks or, or such like that. Uh, you know, we uh, would probably see ourselves in that sort of light. But again, we are susceptible to the same type of sin that, that the Pharisee has here in this parable. You know, again, ask ourselves, you know, which one of these men would we want, you know, our daughters bringing home from college? You know, would it be the tax collector or the Pharisee? Or which one of these uh, men would we want our young men to emulate today in the church? Again, the Pharisee? who is saying I'm better than this person and this person, or the tax collector, the one who couldn't even lift his eyes to heaven in humility. Let's, let's again, let's ask three quick questions here this evening uh, from this parable. And the first one I want to ask is, am I more concerned with God's admiration than God's forgiveness? Again, the problem was not what was right with the Pharisee, but what was wrong. You know, he didn't acknowledge or consider uh, his need for forgiveness. He is trusting, again, in the security of his own righteousness. Uh, remember, uh, Jesus says at the beginning of this, uh, the purpose of this parable was to rebuke those who trusted in themselves rather than God. You know, God, here are my good works on display, the, the Pharisee says. Uh, there's no sense of his sinfulness anywhere or his unworthiness before God. You know, he, 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 had he recognized his own sin, uh, then he and the, the tax collector would have been on uh, the same playing field. You know, Paul wrote in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, that there are no uh, none righteous, no not one. Or in, in verse 23, where all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know, that's the attitude that the tax collector had in his prayer. That he was not worthy enough to even look up towards heaven. You know, you and I and all, we all stand in equal need of the grace and mercy of God. And the tax collector understood that only God could cover his sins and redeem him. And it was nothing to do with his righteousness. That word merciful in his prayer, be merciful to me. Again, uh, it's you know, sort of that big word that we see sometimes in scripture, a propitiation, uh, an atoning sacrifice. You know, he understood that he needed someone to take away those sins uh, by, by that atoning sacrifice that Jesus had on the cross. 
And the Bible is full of examples of, of people, you know, men and women who performed good works. But still, they understood that they desperately needed God's grace and mercy. You know, Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah, who is a righteous prophet of God, you know, he, he comes before God and says, I am a man of unclean lips. You know, I shouldn't even be in this throne room with you, God. Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 uh, you, we, we know the Apostle Paul and all the good things he has done to promote Christianity, all the churches he established, all the missionary journeys he went on. He said of himself that he was foremost of all sinners. Uh, that's the designation that Paul made of himself. David said in Psalm 51 verse 17 that God wants broken and contrite hearts to come to him. He doesn't want the proud and, and the proudful, but he wants those who are broken and contrite. So again... Uh, the, the first thing we, we can see from this parable and ask ourselves is, am I more concerned with God's admiration than God's forgiveness? And the second one I want to point out is, uh, do I display a critical spirit towards others? Again, we can see that self-righteousness in the Pharisee and contempt, you know, those things go together, right? There, there's a correlation between the two. The Pharisee thought highly of himself, you know, and so... Uh, naturally, he looked down at others. Uh, he had this spiritual arrogance be, uh, because, or at least towards those who didn't meet his standards, right? like the tax collector. And our faith should never, never express itself in despising others. Again, the Pharisees' problem was pride. And one of these symptoms of pride is a critical spirit, you know, because he had the mindset that, you know, society hates the tax collector, the publican. So God must too, right? So, so I'm going to look down at him. And our pride is fed by comparing ourselves to others. You know, that, that's really the whole means of it. We, we so much want to compare ourselves to others. Uh, we look at others' vices, and then we think of our virtues uh, in this life. But that's uh, what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 10, verse 12, for instance. You know, who are we measuring ourselves against? We're measuring ourselves against each other, but, but uh, you know, God says that we need to be measuring ourselves against the standard, uh, which, of course, is Jesus Christ. You know, certainly, certainly I'm more righteous than, you know, brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, we may think. But remember, the measuring stick that we use in this life, Jesus said, will be used back on us. There was a, uh, I think this might have been in the house to house uh, one of their articles, it was just uh, it was too good not to use in this lesson, but there was a story of a teacher uh, who was teaching her Sunday school this exact lesson about the Pharisee and the publican. And after they got done with the lesson, she told her class, okay, now let, let's bow our heads and pray. And she said, we thank you, God, that we are not like that nasty Pharisee. Right? She totally, totally missed the point of the parable. You know, may you and I show grace and mercy and love to one another. You know, may we recognize our equality with other sinners before the cross. You know, let us not possess that self-righteous attitude, uh, you know, that the teacher had uh, in that example. Again, do I display a critical spirit towards others? Uh, let us learn from the tax collector and not the Pharisee. And then finally, uh, this afternoon, the last question that I might ask is, do I regularly bow in the presence of God? Again, the Pharisee failed to recognize one of the most basic elements of prayer and worship in this account, you know, is that we are in the presence of God. Right, this 
is the secret to humility. You know, again, not looking inwardly at ourselves or outwardly and, and comparing ourselves to others, but we're looking downward in humble submission to God like the tax collector. Someone once said about this parable, in the presence of God, uh, the Pharisee had his good eye on himself, his bad eye on his neighbor, and no eye on God. Right? He, he didn't have God in mind at all during that prayer. In Isaiah chapter 6, again, that I just mentioned earlier, you know, Isaiah, he was humbled when he was in the presence of God. I'm a man of unclean lips. I shouldn't deserve to be here. We've talked the past couple of weeks in Luke chapter 5 in our Bible class about you know, Peter, while he was being called to follow Jesus, Jesus performs a great miracle by bringing all of these fish into his boat. And Peter's reaction was to fall down at the feet of Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Get away from me. Again, two great examples of individuals within Scripture who understood how to uh, approach God. And do we regularly bow in the presence of God? You know, worship to God is never, never a time for arrogance or pride. And we should be stripped of our pride. You know, when we're singing hymns to God, uh, that should be our focus. Or when we're bowing in prayer, when we're partaking of his holy supper, when we're hearing his word proclaimed, you know, these things uh, should be front and center on our minds uh, as we are, again, are in the presence of God in this worship service. And Isaac Watts, uh, who wrote uh, some hymns, captured, I think, the point that we're trying to make here best when he wrote his famous hymn, you know, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, you know, on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the cross of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. Again, you know, it's not about me, but it's about him. And when I am in his presence, when I'm worshiping him, am I bowing down to him regularly? Or or am I standing like the Pharisee with my eyes up towards heaven, my arms outstretched saying, God, look what I have done for you? Or am I like the tax collector who can't even look up in humility, praying to God to forgive me, the sinner? Galatians 6.14, Paul said, May I never boast except in the cross of Christ. Again, prideful prayer can only mean you know, a failure to understand the one who are, we're praying to. This is a a powerful, powerful uh, parable on the life, or in the life of Jesus. And Christ's parable, it, it's shocking, again, to its original audience. You know, it flips the, pre- the preconceived narrative on who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. Uh, but Christ is not just aiming uh, at them and their culture, though. He's aiming to convict you and I of the sin in our lives as well. The story is still powerful for us today. We still face the same temptations uh, with our uh, religiosity, uh, our uh, uh, distinction, uh, difference from the world. We can trust in our own righteousness, you know, based on the many good deeds uh, and compare ourselves, you know, with the, the, the worst of sinners around us. You know, we need this parable, too. We need it to bring us back down to earth and understand that. Uh, when we compare ourselves to Jesus, you know, we, we don't come anywhere close. 
Again, we need to examine our own lives. Again, am I more concerned with my righteousness than forgiveness? Am I critical of others or using them as the standard? And am I humble in the presence of God? Again, pride must be pushed aside uh, with humility of heart so that our prayers will allow us to leave you know, our church buildings when we, when we leave here and go home, as the parable says, to go home justified. And not be like uh, the Pharisee who uh, viewed himself as righteous or those who were listening to the parable. This evening, as uh, we conclude this lesson, as we offer the invitation, pray that, uh, uh, that this message uh, will be beneficial to you today. And if anyone is needing this opportunity to ask for prayers or for forgiveness or uh, need to make anything known, or if you're here this evening and you're ready to put Christ on in baptism, uh, the Bible tells us to hear word of God, to believe Jesus is the Son of God, repent of our sins, confess him as Lord, again, and be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. And, and at that point, we'll contact the blood of Christ, uh, which washes away our sins and will be added to the church. And if we can help you in any way this evening, we'd love to talk with you or to help you as together we stand and sing this song of invitation.